everybody to Beyond the Shadows. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Ricksecker. Yes, one of these days I will get the intro music inserted back into here like we had before. So we had a fantastic episode on Edge of the Rabbit Hole uh, just a little while ago. Our great friend Rob Gutra was back with us, reminiscing a little bit about uh, the old days. Going, uh, Rob and I go well about eight years back in some old uh, inspired ghost tracking, paranormal investigation. So it was great to have him on. Uh, something I did forget to mention in that show. We'll take care of this. A little bit of housekeeping here right at the beginning before we roll into paranormal television shows behind the camera what happens behind the scenes that's what's up on on tap but this thursday we have a special live show coming to you from right here on the edge of the rabbit hole channel brought to you of course by haunted road media we're going to have alexandra holzer will be back with us with her mother who is a She's a lot of different things. She's a Russian countess. She's an amazing artist. Of course, she was married to Hans Holzer. We'll talk a little bit about uh, those paranormal investigations as well. She has a ton of things going on. Uh, an amazing, very classy woman. Uh, we're going to have both of them on the show Thursday night, 7.30 Eastern time. So uh, make the adjustments for whatever time zone you're in. It'd be 6.30 my time. Um, if you're on the uh, West Coast, it'll be 4.30 p.m. But um, yeah, 7.30 p.m. this Thursday, that's, what is that, the 14th? Uh, we're going to be having Alexandra and her mother. Uh, that's going to be wonderful. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely wonderful. So be sure to tune in for that. So what I wanted to uh, cover tonight, something, um, I don't know, a, a little, I guess a little off color, a little fun. Um, I get asked a lot about the different, uh, you know, paranormal tele television shows. We talked about some of that last night on a uh, interview that I was on. And so it was like, hey, let's, let's, let's go over some of these things since, I don't know, the last time I talked about it a couple of years ago, some other things have changed. And yes, I will talk about the ghost adventures thing i'm not going to get into all of that we have another video out on the hunter road media youtube channel about all of that we'll get to that in a little while um go ahead of course if you have any questions about television shows how things work all that throw them down in the chat of course if you're listening to this on spotify or or something else later on on the podcast then you won't have the opportunity to throw in those questions but on the youtube channel here you do um, Candy Orton, tell us all the tea, Mike. Okay. Well, I have I have tea right here. Actually, I switched from the Haunted Road Roast to coffee. We'll do this for uh, Tim Schoen real quick. This episode of Beyond the Shadows is brought to you by Haunted Road Roast. It helps you hunt ghosts. Although I'm drinking tea right now. For the second show, sometimes we'll drink coffee, but um, sometimes we'll go to tea, kind of soothe the throat. It's actually, when you're doing shows like this, it's actually a little bit better for the tea than the coffee. So there you go, Victoria Monday, our television behind the scenes, that's my life. Well, <laughs> uh, Robert Hanna, right off the bat, asked, Mike, will you appear in Alaska Triangle Season 2? Well, right now, there haven't been any discussions yet about Alaska Triangle Season 2, at least as far as I know. Um, I know that a lot of the, talking with a lot of the guys like Johnny Enoch, Jeremy Ray, we had Adam Davies on last week, you know, other guys that were on the show, we would love to do a season two. There's a lot more to tackle and explore up there in Alaska. Um, so if that opportunity comes our way, we would be happy to jump on it. It's been a very popular show 
on the Travel Channel. Uh, they've been running the reruns, and every time it happens, I get hit up with you know all kinds of people saying, "Hey, I see you on TV. You love the show, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera, which is great. So the feedback has been wonderful. So let's go ahead and uh, and talk about that, Victoria. And honey, whiskey, and lemon juice helps with throat too. I do. I did put some lemon juice in here. So we'll start with the Alaska Triangle, and this is like literally behind the camera, right? Because the camera is in my face. Um, it was a great time. So it was Wild Dream Entertainment that actually produced the show and invited me up there to Alaska to talk about uh, portals, ley lines, electromagnetic activity, um, different paranormal and supernatural phenomena that happens up there. Uh, we talked earthquakes and volcanoes, kind of my experiences when I you know, first came up there. Um, we, were, we were up on the side of that mountain you know, pretty much all day. Um, we were up there in the morning. Broke for lunch, came back, filmed some more. Um, so for the amount of hours that we were up there, you know, only a small amount actually got used, of course, uh, on the television show. That's that's pretty much the way it goes. Um, you know, kind of some things that you don't see here uh, is, is like what I'm sitting on. So that's basically one of their, you see the guys sitting on cases, right? You know, basically they have me sitting on a case too. <laughs> That's the way it worked. So it wasn't exactly comfortable. Um, but, you know, they had the fantastic backdrop there with the mountains and everything. Um, I have put out this uh, photograph. So I'm going to be offering this on my website, MikeRicksecker.com. Um, this is, I mean, really it's a selfie, but everybody really liked this photo of the mountains and the path and everything behind me. So that's going to, that's going to be coming up, uh, here pretty soon. But, you know, what was, these guys are really great. You know, they would do crazy things like, okay, here they are. This is the crew. They're hanging out in the trees. Uh, it looks like they're being silly. Um, but they're they're really not. They're actually lining up some really cool shots. These guys would get like really artistic uh, with their camera angles. And if you've seen the show, um, you know the cinematography is great. A lot of the angles and shots that they got were wonderful. Um, and so, you know, they were lining up stuff like this. You know, like through the brambles, and there I am holding the dowsing rods. And what's what's interesting is. Uh, Johnny Enoch actually asked me uh, about, you know, this type of vegetation being around there in areas with electromagnetic activity where, you know, he has seen that um, at a lot of these different sites. So it was kind of interesting to be able, for him to ask me that question without even knowing and then, um, and then being able to confirm for him that, yeah, at least up there, that was the case. So uh, Victoria Monday has a, uh, a good question here. So do they still shoot on film or is it all digital now? Do you have a pr uh, prompter or did you have to memorize it all? So uh, it was all digital. They were having to switch out memory cards and, and all that as we went along. Um, they had a couple of different cameras. Uh, most of it was, was 4K. They did have to, at one point, switch to an HD because you know the type of memory cards that they have sometimes you know, that won't always work in a 4K, so they had to switch to HD right at the end. And I think that's a lot of the footage that ended up getting scrapped uh, was you know, was those interviews on the HD. I, I mean, I could be wrong, um, but a lot of that stuff at the end of the day did not get used. Um, and that's where there's a couple of clips 
like real quick clips thrown into a couple of those episodes where you see me with it's a different angle, a different background. I think there's like two real quick clips like that, and that's uh, some of that ending uh, in ending interview footage. They didn't use a lot of that. Um, as far as having a prompter, uh, no, no, there's no prompter. I'll go back to that uh, that photo. So basically, you know what's going on here is. Um, you know, the, the guy in the blue has a, uh, he has the camera, or basically he, no, no, I, I take it back. It's the, the guy in the uh, black jacket sitting on the case. He's running the camera. The guy in the blue is asking me questions, and then the uh, the audio guy is squatting down. Uh, there was no, no prompter whatsoever, so basically I'm just sitting there, and they're asking me questions, or they're saying, you know, talk about this subject, and it's just me talking about, Alaska, uh, the Alaska Triangle, uh, electromagnetic activity. You know, we went through um, a lot of the information that, you know, a lot of the other guys talked about too on the show. So I think essentially what they did is they had each of us talk about like the missing Douglas or the the ghost ship and, and things like that. And I, they kind of grabbed snippets of, you know, everybody talking about it to tell the story. And so I guess it was probably whoever told this section of the story the best, then they went with that. I, I, I'm not sure what their decision-making was on how they put it all together, but yeah, they're basically like, okay, tell us what you know about um, the Alaska Triangle. Tell us what you know about the missing Douglas. Tell us what you know about you know, all these different things. Um, you know, the, uh, the volatility of the land up there. And so we talked about all kinds of, of different things. They asked me about... UFOs. Not, nothing I said about UFOs got used on the show. Uh, they did ask me about, you know, government cover-ups and conspiracy. So a little bit of that got used, you know, right at the end of the Missing Douglas episode. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting what, what got used and what didn't get used. Um, so they, they kind of had me talk about uh, the earthquakes up there. That ended up being, you know, my part as well. And then... Um, I'm trying to re- I'm trying to remember what all, and then of course my my big feature was of course with with the dowsing rods. They you know, they wanted somebody to kind of display trying to you know track electromagnetic activity up there, and we're on the side of Flat Top Mountain. You know, it's um, it, it really could have been just hit or I mean, really it kind of was hit or miss. You know, let's let's see if we can find something up here, and um, you know there was. You know, there were some different grave sites that I thought that they might be interested in because they were supposed to be, you know, located near the different activity, uh, you know, hot spots and things like that, which I guess they weren't able to get that permission. But they they chose a really beautiful site, uh, a really beautiful location to film. Like you could see you could see the entire city of Anchorage down below. And when I was using the the dowsing rods, you see me kind of as I'm kind of, you know, walking across the mountain. Uh, there's this one part that I kept hitting that, you know, the the one rod, it was interesting. The one rod would stay straight, but the other would turn inward. And they, they kind of captured that a little bit on, um, you know, on film there. And then I ended up, I would, I would go back to that spot because then it would straighten back out. So I went back to that spot and then I'd go up and down the mountain and it was, you know, that same phenomenon was all up and down. So basically I was able to draw a line from, you know, the top of the mountain down to Anchorage. 
So some sort of electromagnetic current, a telluric current or, or what have you, um, going across the mountains down in, into Anchorage. So part of the triangle, maybe, maybe. Um, so, Mike, did you get to see and chat with Cliff Berkman while you were there? No, unfortunately, I didn't get to interact with any of the other cast while I was there. They, um, they did a lot of our stuff separately. So, like, a couple of the guys that they, they interviewed and brought in, they didn't even end up in Alaska. They interviewed them elsewhere. Uh, but they wanted me on location to do some things uh, there on uh, Flattop Mountain. So, I was really just up there for a day. I mean, you could say two days because I flew in the day prior. And then I was there all day filming, and they they really worked with me on my schedule because I had an event the following day after that um, back in the St. Louis area in St. Charles, and so um, you know they worked with my with my schedule. We got all the filming done, and then I was essentially right back on the airplane, and time worked really weird for me because I, I couldn't fall asleep on the airplane for whatever crazy reason. So I was up for probably, you know, like 48 hours straight or something. It was something weird. It was more than 24 hours for sure. Um, and it was one of those where I got to see the sun go dim and then yeah, the sun came back up. <laughs> so it never, I never saw night <laughs> that particular day. It was just all one long day. It was pretty crazy. Um, and then I was boom, you know, there doing an event in St. Charles. So that was actually, um, one year ago, like right about now it would be, I think it would be like this coming weekend a year ago is, is when we did that filming. And, um, yeah, it was supposed to come out in, they said November ish travel channel lined it up for their ghost Tober. And then they decided to push it back to November you know, out of the whole Ghostover thing, and then they delayed it until February. But it seemed to all work out, um, you know, because February, winter, you're talking Alaska, the snow. Uh, people are really receptive to it, and so I, I guess Travel Channel knows what they're doing. They've kind of been at it a while now. Um, Tom McNicholas, did you know the questions ahead of time? Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much knew what they were going to be talking to me about, Um you know, they kind of gave me a, a little packet of, you know, these are the stories we're going to be talking about, which, which is good because I had, you know, I had heard of, of several of the different things that we were talking about, but I didn't know a lot of the information going in. Kind of like when you go to a, um, you know, a haunted location, it's like you, you have heard of a couple of the stories there and then you go and you do some more research and find out some more so that like I'm, I'm going to... I don't know, like the first time I ever did Mineral Springs. It's like, okay, I know a couple of things because I'd, I'd heard about it. I did a little reading online, what have you. Um, let's do some more research, dig in a little bit more, start talking to the people there while I'm there so that when I actually get on camera and start talking about a location, boom, you know, I, I know what I'm talking about on, on camera. Um, and then as we continue to do further investigation, now we, you know, we know more. Um, so, you know, the, the main thing that they want me up there talking about that I really didn't have to do any of that type of research for uh, was like portals, vortices, electromagnetic activities, ley lines, all of that sort of stuff. I mean, I that's basically how they found me is that um, on the Hunter Road Media Channel, I had um, posted a video on portals. What was interesting is that it was, at the time, it was one of our least viewed videos. 
um, but they liked the content of it. It's picked up some more views since then, since I've linked to it several times out of the um, the Alaska Triangle uh, videos that I've posted on the Hunter Road Media channel since then. Um, but yeah, it, they, they liked the content of it. They knew what I was talking about. Of course, we had like some of the old Inside the Upside Down shows that we had done out there um, talking about ley lines and energy grids and all that. So you know, they knew I knew what I was talking about. And so they asked me those type of questions up there. So I didn't have to research any of that. Uh, but like the missing Douglas, I needed to learn a little bit more about, um, you know, the, the stuff about some of the ships I needed to, you know, read a little bit more about. Um, as far as the earthquake, I'd already known about the earthquake. I just, I just needed to remember the year. Now, some of the stuff I actually experienced while I was up there, like I was talking about the volcanoes and the volatility of the land and things like that. So I was up there for, um, was it like a 6.5 or 6.7 earthquake? I always, I always mix it up. <laughs> I always say one and then it was the other. Um, and, you know, I, I talked about it on the show how it was like a cannon that went off. It was something I experienced. You know, when I first got off the plane in, in Anchorage uh, that year, 1992, there had just been a volcano that summer and ash was still falling from the sky and we were having to, to cover up, you know, computer equipment um, every night when I first got there. So, um, so those are things that I experienced while there. There were other things that I experienced that, you know, didn't make it onto the show. Um, so... Yeah, it's uh, that was a good question though. Um, so, <laughs> Betty Lang, how many pages are in the contract you signed? Well, it depends. It, each show is a little different. Um, so that was Alaska Triangle. I think there was one or two pages that I signed. It wasn't a lot, really. Um, you know, the basically non-disclosure stuff, you know, don't talk about things for, you know, a certain period of time and then, you know, you're, you're good to go after that. Um, you know, same thing with like the haunted and my ghost story. I think really just like a page, just a real like quick non-disclosure agreement. Um, you know, it's, it's not like I was signing, you know, some mega deal to be on the, you know, a host of a show for the next five years. You know, it was nothing like that. It was a guest appearance. Um, what was nice about Alaska Triangle, though, was that it was it was a little bit more than something like The Haunted or My Ghost Story, which were kind of like one-shot deals with the Alaska Triangle. Um, basically, what I was told was that, I mean, I had a chance to be on a lot of the different episodes. I was told that, that I was going to, you know, have two shows that I was going to be featured on quite a bit. And then I would kind of be sprinkled in here and there. So, um, the, the two main shows was, um, you know, the one on the missing Douglas, that was the very first episode in the very last episode, basically my whole thing with the dowsing rods kind of culminated and ended the whole show. And the one that I was sprinkled in on was the, uh, what they called the Alaskan Titanic. So, uh, although they interviewed me about like everything. So, um, all right. So, that I think will wrap up the Alaska Triangle because I have some different shows here. Just kind of, you know, step through some of these different things. We'll kind of go back in the day. Um, I see Sharon Lang's question there. Mike, would you consider hosting a series? Yes. Yes, I absolutely would consider hosting a series. I, I've had several people tell me that I should be hosting a series. So I'll trust their judgment on that. Um, but yeah, I would, I would enjoy doing something like that. I enjoy doing, I enjoy doing this. Um, if, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it. So, um, 
yeah, I've been doing it for quite a few years now. Um, all right, so let's get to, we'll go to the haunted next. We'll kind of step through these in a bit of an order um, now uh, for the next few, and we, we will do the ghost adventures thing uh, a little bit later. I know Vanessa was kind of cackling at that, um, but I have, I have some okay things to say about it. We'll get to Ghost Adventures. So this is The Haunted. This is actually the first show that I was on. This is The Monster in the Closet case, which was um, really one of the um, more well-known shows, uh, one of the more well-known episodes of that show uh, because of what happened. So this is just a, a still of, of me on there. But I was mostly there to talk about uh, the history of the location, the deaths that happened in the home, um, you know, a lot of the research that that went into what happened. I did talk about, of course, some of my experiences that that happened there, and um, you know, again, kind of interesting what they pick and choose. I have a, a little deceit, deleted scenes clip there. You guys have seen it before. We'll get into that. <clears throat> Um, Sharon Lang, well, thank you. She says, you have a broadcaster's voice and demeanor. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm just going to say real quick that um, I, I, I appreciate the compliment, but I, I, <laughs> if you knew me like when I was, when I was a kid, a lot younger, uh, earlier adulthood, I was, um, I was a shy kid growing up. I basically made myself like this and I, I believe is is if you keep working on something and keep doing something and keep pushing keep pushing keep pushing you can succeed and overcome you know obstacles that you that you have like personal obstacles one was me being you know very shy I was very I was I, I was timid of a lot of things early in life which actually got me into a lot of fights because you know kids would see me as somebody they could pick on they learned that they probably shouldn't because I, I could defend myself which was good um but I had stage fright as well it's it's interesting because it's like I enjoyed doing this type of stuff but I had stage fright and you know we get tongue-tied and I used to like early in my adulthood and I know this is off topic but early in my adulthood I would actually just to like call the telephone company and dispute a bill you know I would write out my conversation because if they asked me a question that would throw me off I'd be like uh uh, uh and wouldn't know how to handle it um you know I it, I was very socially awkward um as a younger guy and you know from from doing a lot of this you know, I've, I've overcome a lot of these different, you know, I would say, I don't know, personality, social flaws that I had when I was younger. And what was really, again, I know it's off topic, what was really kind of touching to me is when my parents came to watch me speak a few years ago at uh, the Paris Icon, when they had it in Lorain, Ohio, at St. Joe's, uh, St. Joseph's Hospital, Tom McNicholas, you're there, um, my parents got to watch me speak and they saw me when I was younger. And after they were done, they were like, wow, you're really good. We're really proud of, you know, where you've come, you know, after all these years. So, um, so yeah, I, so I appreciate it. I sincerely appreciate it when, um, when you guys say nice things about my voice or my demeanor or you know, how comfortable I look or whatever, because it's taken a lot to get here and, you know, so I absolutely appreciate it. Um, 
All right. That said, <laughs> that said, um, the haunted. So Chipper Cherry, when you do a show like uh, the haunted, where they uh, where they put in demons, ghosts, etc. Do you get to see them previous to the show, the green the green room stuff? Okay, so um, the haunted. We're talking about the haunted now. They didn't put anything in there. Now there's um, what they do is they do some like recreations, and they'll do some B-roll footage. So when you see a lot of the when they're when they're doing the um, the family story and it's like the whole first half of the show is the story of the family there's a lot of recreations of that in fact they actually used a separate house to do a lot of those scenes the the Osmores had a, a kind of a cramped house so it was a little awkward to kind of maneuver and do the recreations and what have you in that particular house so they use a um I forget the actual term that they use. Somebody down there might know it, but basically it was a substitute house that they used to do the recreations. And so you see some different things within there. Like I think one of the shots has a pool table and it's like, yeah, the, the, the house that they actually lived wasn't going to have a pool table. Um, but everything with our paranormal investigation in there, like, um, you know, this little, this little clip here uh, where you see us using equipment and things like that, um, that's all real footage that that we shot. Um, the crew themselves, when we did the um, actual cleansing night, because part of that how part of that uh, investigation was cleansing, and that's what they wanted us to really get as far as the paranormal investigative team. They had us doing an EV, you know, they showed us doing an EVP session that we had captured earlier on, and, and some stuff like that, and they included our footage uh, in that. But then when we did the actual cleansing night. Their crew for for the haunted it was a couple of guys with handy cams and so here's here's one of the guys here he's just holding a little Sony handy cam um, you know they just try to keep it real and raw uh, here's one of the other guys again a little Sony handy cam and this this show was trying to keep it as real as possible you know everything that we did was you know very you know it, it was on the up and up it was legit everything that you saw happened. So, you know, here's, here's Carl doing a blessing over Talison. This is the moment where when he did the blessing over her, uh, she doubled over in pain, uh, like she got punched in the gut. I got the EVP that said die. Now, the one thing that I, that drove me nuts about the haunted was that they took my EVP die and put it elsewhere in the show. They actually had that as, um, part of our investigation footage that, because we heard the word die, that's why we had to go and do the cleansing, which wasn't the case. Uh, we got a lot of we got a lot of different EVPs. We we did the cleansing because of how much this entity was affecting Talison. I mean, other members of the house saw it. there were a number of things going on within the home. Uh, it was terrorizing her, the cat, you know, all this you know different stuff. She was becoming very very oppressed by this entity so we need to get it out um it, we we did end up deeming that one a demon and it she was being oppressed at the time there are some signs that it may have been trying to get to the point of possession but it never got that far um so 
we did this part of the investigation, um, the cleansing, really. Carl did the uh, blessing over her. We had that crazy moment. That's where I got the EVP. Other parts you did not see was stuff like this. Carl's blessing the door, <laughs> which I can understand why they wouldn't put this in the show. And they only have like 42 minutes to tell a show. Uh, Quarantine Ghost, it was a wraith, right? Yes, it um, Carl ended up dubbing it a wraith. He and Chris Borthick, you see the back of Chris's head here. Uh, he was our occult specialist at the time. And they're the two that dubbed it a wraith. But yeah, the, Carl's blessing the door. And so basically what was happening was that back door kept blowing open. After uh, he did the blessing over Talison and she fell to the floor, we got her back up, she was okay. This back door kept blowing open. It it would blow open, we'd close it, it'd blow open again, close it again, it'd blow open again. You know, we ended up having to deadbolt the whole thing because um, just closing it regular wasn't helping. And that, and that ended up being fine, but he did a blessing over the door. Um, also, in Talison's bedroom, we had a tri-field meter set up by uh, where she was seeing, she was mostly seeing the red identity in the closet. That's why it was called Monster in the Closet. And the tri-field meter was going off like crazy at the time. So none of that is in the show either. So, you know, the show is like very limited as far as what they can include. And that's something that people don't understand about a lot of these television shows is that, you know, these teams, you know, whether it's Ghost Adventures or Ghost Hunters or whatever, they're there for several days uh, filming, researching, going to different locations, you know, whether it's, um, you know, they might hit a couple locations in a town or they might spend, you know, several days at, you know, one building and it all gets condensed down to 42 minutes. So with us, we had the one big cleansing night with all kinds of stuff going on. Our segment only ended up being, you know, you know, half the show, about 20 minutes because they had the whole first half of the show was the family story. Yeah, we had, you know, hours worth of the cleansing. We also had all of our previous paranormal investigation footage, and we had investigated there like six times. So <laughs> there was a lot that they had to just like take pieces of and put together to complete the story. And that's really what they're they're going for is, is creating a story out of, you know, what they have, you know, what works for what they're trying to tell. So, and we'll get to that, actually, when we, when we talk about Ghost Adventures. So, uh, grand old folks, what year was The Haunted made? So, whew, so that was 10 years ago now. Uh, the episode aired in 2011. We filmed it in 2010. Our first investigation with the Osbournes was, I want to say it was that May or June. So, we're coming up, like, right on the 10-year mark when we first started investigating that house. It was a while ago now. Wow. So that's Carl blessing the door. Um, everything that happened here in the backyard, um, this was all crazy. You know, uh, what, what really doesn't come through in that backyard is how strong the wind had become. Um, you know, they, they showed the cats running around in a circle, which that was really crazy. The, the cats were circling and circling and circling us. The wind was going absolutely nuts. Uh, and what became really crazy after that, after we had pushed the entity out and everything settled down, I went to the side yard to talk to the family. 
And we're making remarks about the wind, like, wow, that wind was really crazy, right? And they're all like, what wind? You know, they're just in the side yard. You know, it's not a big place. And they experienced no wind. And in the backyard, you know, we're all our hairs whipping around and just everything's going crazy. So, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty nuts. And then I mentioned, um, you know, stuff that they couldn't include deleted scenes. So there was a really interesting moment with, uh, one of the cats there. This is actually where I saw the, uh, the black mist, the, like a black cloud in Talison's room. This was deleted from the, uh, the actual show. They gave the family, they gave the family a, uh, a DVD that had the entire show on it with, uh, with none of the, uh, like you see here in, um, let me just do this, you know, all the stuff where it says, you know, all the branding, Animal Planet HD, River Monsters, new season coming up in nine days, you know, none of that stuff is on it. It is just, you know, the show. Um, and it also had several deleted scenes on there uh, and also, you know, interview clips that, never aired and things like that and so they gave me a copy of that and so as part of my shadow person presentation i show that clip with with the cat so you know, there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't make it uh victoria monday aren't portals doors maybe it's why they kept flying open um as far as that door i think what was going on with that door at the time um you know we were really starting to agitate the entity that was there. I mean, our purpose was to get rid of it. And so when Taliesin was in that room and yelling and shouting at something that nobody could see, but we knew something was there, um, it was really affecting her. And so uh, Carl's aim at that point was to uh, put white energy onto Taliesin to bless her and make sure that she was protected and what ended up happening was this entity just flipped its shit. So it basically punched her in the gut. It, I, I truly believe it tried to kill her. I mean, the EVP said die, and it, it literally like punched her in the gut. So at that point, it was trying to do her harm. She was okay, though. Uh, Carl apparently had protected her enough that she was able to get up. She was okay. So then all of a sudden, you know, it starts, you know, blowing that back door open, maybe trying to scare us. We don't know. It, it's doing some stuff. It's doing crazy things out in the uh, back in her bedroom. Uh, that meter is going crazy back there. So basically this entity became extremely, extremely agitated. And then we get outside. We push the thing outside. And as we're, we are continuing to push and push and push, you know, the weather, I mean, the wind is going nuts out there. So that was all, um, that was all that spirit. That was that, that energy from that spirit that was extremely agitated and it did finally leave and it never came back by the way. So it was actually a, uh, it turned out to be a good story. All right. So, um, so there we go. Roselle C. Rowe. Mike, how did they find you to ask you on these shows? Great question. Uh, like I said, for the Alaska Triangle, they uh, they found me for, uh, or they found me from the portal video that I had done on the Haunted Road Media YouTube channel. So they were looking for somebody specifically to uh, talk about that type of phenomenon. 
portals, vortices, uh, electromagnetic activity, ley lines, all that. They saw that video. You know, they they thought I spoke well, so you know they got a hold of me, talked to me a little bit. We did a little Skype interview, and um, you know they asked a question on that Skype interview about Alaska. So I say something about the Alaska Triangle in that interview, and automatically it's like, okay, he's our guy. He knows something about the Alaska Triangle. I spent three years up there. So um, that's basically what sealed the deal for that. Um, and, uh, you know, Wild Dream Entertainment, a, very, a class act. Um, they've probably been the best so far that I've worked with. Um, for The Haunted, that was, um, well, the team that I was uh, with at the time, um, the, the leader of that team, I don't know how she first got involved with that production company because that relationship began before I came in onto that team. They had already done an episode, um, the Lever Die House, El Dorado, Oklahoma. Uh, I guess that was the year before. And so she had already established that relationship. Again, I'm not really sure how. I don't know if she sought them out or if she saw, I don't know, if an ad that they had put out or they looked through you know team websites I don't know um but when I got with uh the team she had basically put together five cases um the potential cases for them to air they were going to go with three two of the cases backed out this one uh, still agreed uh to go ahead with the case and and have it on television so some people even though they start through the process like I said we had five potential cases three of them were going to go onto onto uh the haunted and two of them decided yeah i don't i don't think we want to be on tv you know i don't think we want our house we don't want our neighbors we don't want our friends to to know about this going on with us which is you know hey that's that's fine i totally understand privacy um for my ghost story which we're going to get to here in just a moment uh we'll go ahead and start on that so for my ghost story basically at the time they were they've cast a wide net um they were emailing all kinds of people <laughs> i was one of them uh obviously but they were sending emails to uh you know paranormal teams they were getting on people's facebook you know just you know all over and looking for people to talk about their paranormal experiences you know they would do like what four of these per episode and so they needed a lot of stories. And so I ended up with an email in my inbox one day, um, you know, asking me to submit a story. And so, and so I did. I, you know, the, I, I had a couple that I tossed their way of experiences that I had had. And the main, the main thing that they wanted was some sort of visual evidence. And I went with uh, Black Bear Church, where we saw the crawler, um, in Olive Township, Oklahoma. And that was an interesting experience from a number of perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, for, for, for one thing, because of that wide net that they cast, what, what's, what's interesting is there are several people that were on My Ghost Story and only My Ghost Story that now say that they're like a paranormal, paranormal celebrity. And it's like, well, come on. I mean, they, they went and got anybody and everybody <laughs> to be on that show to tell a story. So no, no, you're not a paranormal celebrity for being on my ghost story, but, you know, enjoy the experience because it was pretty cool. I mean, they, they did a pretty good job. I mean, they, um, 
They flew us out to L.A. Uh, and, and put it, where did they put us up? It was, um, they put us up in the Doubletree Hotel. Um, you know, they had the classic green room and everything there, which was very cool. And so, um, so this is, this is me telling my ghost story. But, um, yeah, so here's Kathy Nance and I in the green room. They got like the makeup and everything going on. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. They were, uh, in that cup is wine. They were serving us wine to calm our nerves so that we would, I guess, talk better on screen. So, um, it was definitely, it was, it was cool. You know, they had the snacks, they had the wine. They were a, a nice group of people. There was somebody else there from Ohio that came into the, uh, the green room at the time. I was in Oklahoma, but there was somebody from Ohio that came in. And I remember we were, I can't remember who specifically it was. Um, so, but we were chatting about the state of Ohio. I remember that, you know, because, because they're filming so many different stories all in one day. There's a lot of people kind of in and out of the room. Um, but um, <laughs> so Victoria Monday, when are we having the Mike Gricksecker Film Fest, like a director's cut program? We could look into something like that. That might be interesting. So the green room there was a lot of fun in L.A. Um, so the what, what was interesting about this. So this is this is the church where the crawler is at. Um, during the day. However, we couldn't use this location uh, to actually film because they wanted us to do some recreations. They needed B-roll footage, all of that sort of stuff. So they, they flew us out for the interview segment, filmed all that. And then they had another guy come out, one single guy, to do the recreations and, and B-roll footage. But, of course, you need a waiver and permission from the location to film there. We were working on that. This is where this story gets really interesting. We were working on that. However, I had put out on my, before the Haunted Road Media YouTube channel, there was the Mike Ricksecker YouTube channel. Um, There's also an old Society of the Haunted one as well that, uh, that also, they both had like the same videos on there for a while. On uh, the Black Bear church church you know which became the church of darkness and the owners at first when they saw that they were like oh wow so our church is gonna get recognized and etc cetera, etc cetera. i mean they've had kids out there vandalizing the place for years they saw my video in which i talked about the possible occult activity out there that we had found evidence back on that one pedestal in that room you guys have many of you have heard me tell the story about the crawler and all the local urban legends about it being conjured and if it was it was back there on that pedestal because we had found a little bit of evidence maybe of a call activity going on back there somehow some way they took that to mean i was saying the parishioners of the church were practicing the occult it's like no (laughs) no i mean obviously it's after the fact um, apparently, at least according to uh, one of the other guys in the team, because he had, he had talked with one of them, uh, and they were pretty pissed off. They were talking about like suing me or whatever. <laughs> it's like, I didn't say that. Go back and watch it. I didn't say the parishioners were practicing occult things out there. No, it was others after the fact, possibly. 
<sighs> so we couldn't use the property, the actual church, which was a real shame. So we still have to do recreations and we still have to get the B-roll footage. So I got a hold of um, the 101 Ranch Old Timers Association. We had done some uh, investigations up the old, up at the old 101 Ranch because the basement there does have some visual similarities to the basement at Black Bear. So, so here we go. So this is the uh, under the church, the basement of the church where we saw the crawler, where we had all of that activity going on. The actual um, 101 Ranch basements, where is it? I think it's here. So this is, okay, this is the uh, Great White House, the remnants of the Great White House, the foundation that's left. The actual house itself is gone. They tore that down like back in the 30s. And this is the actual basement of the 101 uh, Great White House. And so there's the guy with, with the big fro uh, getting the, the recreations and B-roll. So basically he's getting shots of us investigating. So any of the uh, any of the things that aired on my ghost story with us investigating were just complete recreations. So there he is getting, you know, them using the equipment, you know, stuff like this. So it, it, it's uh, every show does it a little bit different. You know, they're basically the way my ghost story worked was you're going to tell your story, my ghost story, right? You're going to tell your story. Every once in a while, they would clip in some some like real video footage, depending on the visual evidence that was submitted. When we saw the crawler, nobody was running a video camera at the time. We had audio going, no video. So we didn't have that visual stuff that they were looking for. So they recreated all of it to tell that story. Um, like we, um, in the story, we had the psychic medium uh, suggest to sing the hymns and uh, do the prayers and all that. Well, the girl here on the left, Destiny, was the stand-in for the psychic medium. Um, and this is everybody who was there that night for the recreations. So Kathy, Destiny, Chris, me, and Johnny. Um, and thank God they did not include us singing. Oh my God, that would have been terrible. <laughs> um, but he actually filmed us singing, which was nuts. So we did that for a little while. And the one thing that didn't work, I mean, because that, that worked. Um you know, this down here, I mean, that worked as a stand-in for uh, for this. You know, it's it's not too far off. It's, it's believable. What didn't work, though, was the cemetery. Now, the Black Bear Cemetery is actually kind of big. Um, you know, it's a decent size, and it's right across a dirt road from the church. And this is where I got some of those crazy EVPs, like my teeth are warm and, and stuff like that. Um but the cemetery that we had to use that's down the road from the 101 Ranch is small. So this is a clip from the show of me walking through that cemetery. Yeah, it's quite different than, say, this, which is the actual real cemetery itself. So, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so Betty Lange, how many teams has Mike belonged to? Um, two, really. Um, it was OKPRI, Oklahoma um, Paranormal Research and Investigations. And then we broke off, all of us except uh, the woman who ran that team, and created Society of the Haunted. Society of the Haunted still exists today um, as as me. So, um, yeah, it's had, Society of the Haunted has had, like, several different incarnations, you know, groups of people running that. I mean, we had, we had a nice little, we had a nice little team there for a while. My, um, I guess it would be the last year that I was in Oklahoma. Um, it was a pretty tight-knit group, but then I moved to Maryland. Kathy moved to Texas in... The team that was still there in Oklahoma tried to blow the team up real big. Like they all of a sudden brought in a whole bunch of, you know, people onto the team and it just like imploded. Um I was I was running the website, had the domain and all that stuff. So I hung on to the the rights to use Society of the Haunted and the logo and all that stuff. So um so that's what you've kind of seen here the last several years is Society of the Haunted is the paranormal investigative arm of Haunted Road Media. I pretty much do everything under the Haunted Road Media moniker now, but sometimes you'll still see Society of the Haunted out there, and, you know, that's pretty much me at this point. So, in Quarantine Ghost, throwing down a uh, link to A Walk in the Shadows uh, to get that book. I appreciate that, because, yeah, that's that's the the story out of uh out of that church is the the crawler story the church of darkness so um it is a very it's, it's probably one of the most haunted places that uh i have actually been to and have investigated um so robert hanna is the cemetery haunted yeah the cemetery is haunted we did get some interesting uh activity and evps there um Logan, the the one guy that's in this photo here. So those trees that are uh, behind him off to the left. Um, the, the reason we started investigating here, Logan has been investigating in, in Oklahoma for years and years and years. And so we were investigating one night at a, at a residence. He was telling us this story about about black bear and some of the different crazy activity that he was getting there experiences that he had had and so he brought um kathy is the woman here holding the camera uh he brought kathy and i out there one night after this investigation that we'd done at a residence and um you know kind of got the crash course of the location and that was the night that i got the evp my teeth are warm out of that cemetery it was also there was a lot of crazy things going on that night so it was, uh, the coyotes were going crazy that night. So we ended up, if you can believe this, it's like, you know, I don't know what, 20 feet across the road from the church to the cemetery. We drove from the church to the cemetery because the coyotes are getting closer. We actually went to the cemetery, um, for safety because the gate closes. So we went in there, closed ourselves, uh, into the cemetery to stay safe from the coyotes. Um, when we did our little tour in there, our little investigation in there, uh, Logan and Kathy went out to the car. I was in the cemetery like doing one last sweep, and that's where I got the My Teeth Are Warm EVP. Um, when I went back to the car, we were hearing footsteps coming down the road. 
we thought one of the locals had possibly seen us and we were out there like cameras flashing and all that. Okay, somebody's going to come down and ask what we're doing, maybe try to shoo us off, what have you. And we're waiting for them to come. Nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. It's like, all right, we'll drive down there. We'll just approach them and, and say, yeah, it was us. We went all the way down to the next intersection, which was probably like a quarter mile off. Nobody. So, um, yeah, it's a really interesting location. The yeah, cemetery is definitely haunted as well. Uh, and Candy Orton right down there in the chat, didn't you hear those footsteps coming down the road toward you? Yep. Yep, that was that was that night, the the very first night that I was at Black Bear. Yep. Um. All right, so let's talk because we're actually we're almost at our hour mark, so we're going to go a little long here. Um, Rin TV. Now this is interesting. So the the question was asked um, earlier about um, you know how I get on these things. This one was interesting because it was Russia. Um, they sent me an email. They had seen my video on Helltown in Ohio, uh, the Boston Mills area. So they wanted to interview me for that, for their television show. Um, and then the, uh, the woman that I was talking to, Olga, asked me, because she started checking in on some of my stuff, and she asked me, well, you know, there are some other shows, that, you know, some other topics that we'd like to cover you know, could you talk about these other subjects as well? And so the, the television show on there in English is basically Mysteries of Mankind, if we're translating it correctly. They cover a lot of different things. It's just not paranormal, supernatural. It's also, you know, real world things. I mean, they'll go back into like history for things. They'll like do, you know, crazy things with, uh, show interesting stories with animals or current events that are just nutty. Um, just a, a lot of weird type of stuff. Um, and it can be like, again, it's like all over the world. What's interesting about this show is, I guess they, from what she told me, they air this thing twice a day, two separate airings of it per day, five days per week. So the ones that I have linked to, there's four of them um, that aired on the, the nighttime show. Uh, that's like their primetime show. And so they actually link to those on their website. Uh, you can watch them out there. And then on their YouTube channel, they put them out there as well. But the one that they show during the day, the daytime one, they don't post anywhere. You have to watch it on their network. You know, so if you're in Russia and they are like the number one, if you can believe this is really weird, they are a... I guess they're the largest privately owned, federally operated television show in Russia. I don't even know how that works. <laughs> how are you private and federal at the same time? I don't know. But that's that's what they call themselves. Um, they're really big out there. and um, But you have to watch the daytime one on their network, and then they post the primetime one. So I guess I was on... They interviewed me several times for a number of different stories, and there are, there's a lot of it I haven't been able to see or watch and can't link anybody to because it only aired in Russia. But even with linking it, and you can see right here, um, there, there's, there's no English subtitles at all. It's, it's all in Russian. They dub over my voice in Russian, so, you I mean, you can kind of hear me speaking in English in the background a little bit. Um, 
but it's somebody speaking in Russian over it. So <laughs> I know some of you have clicked into those links when I when I posted them, and uh, it's like, okay, this is great. There's just a story that Mike is telling about some haunted location, and um, we have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> so it was really it was a really interesting experience. Um, yeah, so uh, that we did that for uh, what about a year there, eight months, something like that. Um, I don't know if Olga stopped working for them or what have you, because I haven't heard from them in a while. Um, so it was probably a year ago that my last episode with them uh, aired, and I haven't heard from them since, uh, which, which is fine because it was just <laughs> it was it was it was an interesting experience. It, it 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 really was. You know, we were having to deal with the time difference. Um, you know, there was like a good twelve hours time difference. And of course, the language barrier. So Olga would hit me up. Hey, you know, can you um, can you do a story on whatever topic and have it to me um, by this time on um, you know on Friday or whatever it was? And it's like, well, that time on Friday for them is a totally different time for me. So it was like I'd have to do some math. Uh, to, to figure out when they needed that by. I would always say, yeah, sure, I'll have it to you. And of course, I'd have like our shows going on or I'd be on the road or whatever. <laughs> I'd always figure it out and get it to them. So um, no, they did not fly me to Russia. So basically the way that worked, um, at, at first we tried to do it over Skype section, sessions, but it didn't really work out so well. Um, Skype, you know, whatever. So what I ended up doing for that was I would... Um, I would tape it on, on my camera. Um, I know it's funny we say tape and there's no tape. It's all memory cards. I tape it on the camera. I would edit it down to tell the story, you know, basically like I would do anything like my Friday night ghost rights or what have you. Um, basically with the information that they, they needed. And then I would put it up on Google drive and she would go grab it. So, um, that, that's all you need. We could do this across, you know, thousands and thousands of miles across countries and not even leave your home. So, yeah, that, nothing with that was on location. That was all strictly interview in front of a camera. Right here. Sitting right here. I would just, I ended up removing that when I did the first couple. Um, I had that up and they would just, you know, they would blur it out. So it was like, well, I'd save them the trouble and just give them an all black background. Um, so Candy Orton, put a Russian translator app on your phone and listen and make sure it's really what you said. Yeah, I could try something like that. Um, and where's the link? Um, yeah, I'd have to hunt down those links. I, I posted them on Facebook and I tweeted all that stuff and everything. Um, I have that, I have it out there somewhere. So I should probably link it to, uh, I should probably link it on my website somewhere. You'd think I would have done something like that already. Uh, from Betty Lange, did you get any fan mail from it? So, okay, it's interesting. Yes, actually I did. Um, so I I have to say that there was an uptick in, um, in people from Russia following me on Instagram, and I did get a request for a signed photograph uh, from a fan in Russia who actually does um, watch some of our stuff. She, she has a little trouble because, you know, she, her English is not so good. Um, so, but that's pretty cool. So I got a fan in Russia. All right. (laughs) Or maybe a couple at least. So it was pretty cool. So I would do it again if, if they asked. 
Um, so Alina is Russian. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Uh, we have one more to talk about. <laughs> and we're gonna do it like right at the hour mark one more to talk about um because basically after the the russia thing was alaska triangle but in the middle of all of this stuff was ghost adventures at the stone line Inn. so this did not air uh this was this was filmed but never aired stone line Inn was my absolute favorite haunted house love this place it's in guthrie oklahoma i mean come on look at it just it, it screams I'm haunted. It is to me. It is just the epitome of a haunted house. You walk in. It's very creepy, cool. You're like hearing footsteps. It just has the creepy ambiance, all that stuff. It's awesome. Um, yeah, I filmed with these guys. You know what's really funny about this this photo though um, is I have seen it elsewhere on the internet with me cropped out of it. <laughs> Like, seriously, like, somebody stole my photo off of maybe Facebook or Twitter or whatever, <laughs> cropped me out of it. Like, hey, here's a cool, you know, uh, photo of the Ghost Adventures crew. Oh, my God. Seriously. Okay. So, <laughs> so what happened with Ghost Adventures? Because um, this did not air, and it, it became a thing on the Haunted Road Media channel with a, uh, on an Edge of the Rabbit Hole episode that we did that... Um, I totally get that not everything that you do for television is going to end up on television. I mean, there's a lot of things that just never even make it out the front door. You know, um, like last year with the Alaska Triangle, I had like four different things in the works. Um, and only one happened, and that was the Alaska Triangle. So a lot of things just, you know, either they go in a different direction or the project never gets off the ground or whatever. Um, with Ghost Adventures, they did air the episode. They decided to tell a different story. My beef with it, for those of you that remember, was that they never said anything to me about it. They never said, hey, we're sorry. We appreciate you coming out. Um, you know, and I was coming from Ohio to Oklahoma at the time. It was a long drive. Um, and I was also doing contract work at the time, so I had to take a couple days with no pay to go do that um but yeah they never they never sent any sort of email never called a couple of a number of the different guys had my number and had called at different times to ask me things about the house or experiences that i'd had or or anything nobody gave like a common courtesy to say hey you know we appreciate you having you out but we're not airing your part i had somebody that was doing some pr work for me at the time set up a watch party in Indiana, again, I was in Ohio. Um, she set it up in Indiana. Um, there was like a lot of, I don't know, like advertising. There's a lot of social media posts about this watch party that was gonna that was gonna happen with me on Ghost Adventures, and they didn't air any of it. Um, so that was my beef. Again, I totally understand that it wasn't the story they wanted to tell. I mentioned earlier that they put together a story. And the things that I had to say about the Stone Lion Inn weren't part of the story that they wanted to tell. They wanted their story to talk about Elmer McCurdy and that basically what they were trying to do was, was say that because Becky was taking people out to the cemetery. Guthrie has a lot of interesting history from the Old West. 
one of these is this Elmer McCurdy legend. He's not even from Guthrie. It's just where his body ended up after it had been a mummy. Went like around the country as a sideshow um, for basically like a circus act. Ended up in California. They had forgotten that it was an actual human uh, mummy because they had painted it all up and they were just calling it the dummy at the time. During a filming of The Six Million Dollar Man, one of the crew accidentally knocked the arm off of this thing and they discovered, oh my God, this thing is human. They ended up tracing it back to this outlaw who had been killed north of there um, near the uh, Kansas-Oklahoma border. And they ended up basically putting them into the cemetery there at Boot Hill, gave them a nice little stone and everything. So Becky would take the people up to Boot Hill to see Elmer McCurdy and the other outlaws that were up there. And so Ghost Adventures, was, their story was that because Becky would do this, that Elmer McCurdy grew an attachment to her and would haunt the Stone Lion Inn. That was, I mean, they talked about the little girl, you know, and, and they tried to inter- interact with her during the show and all that. Um, but my story didn't jive with anything that they were trying to tell. So they nixed it. I get it. Um, what they what they did leave in the show was this. So this is like in the very opening segment of the show when they're just, you know, gearing things up. That's not, it's not me, but this is some recreation footage that they had created that would have been, you know, to lead into my story, basically, which this is in front of the fireplace where that wave of energy hit me and I almost passed out. So there's a better shot of the library and that's the fireplace there. Absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely love that place. So they kept this little piece in at the very beginning of the show. Um, and didn't explain it because they were just, they had it dubbed over, I think with Becky's voice at the time. Um, and, and this is on screen for like all of two seconds. Um, but I did get to observe, you know, how, how they filmed and everything. And they're basically like running around. I mean, there's Aaron with the camera. Um, you know, they interviewed me and then they were off and doing stuff. Um, you know, I'll say, I mean, my observation from just being there one night was, um, Zach was very meticulous that he's, he had a plan, like, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And he was, he was on it. You know, um, when they did my interview of it, they had like these different lights that were cast up on me and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and that was probably another part that didn't work out. I have a tendency to talk with my hands a little bit. And with the way he had the lights set up to cast on me, I'm sitting there talking with my hands, explaining stuff. And <laughs> he, it was, it was kind of funny because he's like trying to explain that he wants me to stop talking with my hands. He's like, well, there's, you know, we have a little issue with it. And, and he's kind of like beating around the bush a little bit. And I'm like, my hands, he's like, yes. I'm like, okay, I can put them in my pocket. That's fine. <laughs> so that, that was a little funny. Um, yeah. And we went out to the, the, uh, foyer area to talk about my story there. It was, it was kind of interesting. Was um, as we wrapped up there in the library talking about all that. Um, Jay was like, "So, you know, is there anything else that happened to you there?" And Zach was like, 
We'll get to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. So the crew was really cool. The crew, the crew was very, very nice. Um, chatted with Aaron a little bit. Aaron's a cool guy. Didn't really have much of a chance to talk to, you know, Jay or Billy or whatever. And like I said, Zach was just boom, boom, boom. We've got, you know, this to do, this to do, this to do. He was, yeah, he was, he was kind of like a machine, you know, and then we stopped to take the photo. But um, did I have anything else from this? Did I have another slide? I thought I had another slide. Um, oh yeah, the other thing. Okay, this is a, one other thing that did irk me. Um, so this photograph, um, this photograph was asked for me by. It was somebody else on on the production team. It wasn't Zach or, or any of the, um, or any of the Ghost Adventures crews. From somebody from the production team. Um, you know they had. Of course, seen my video. This is basically how I got on there is they had seen my video on the Stone Lion Inn talking about my ghost stories and experiences at the Stone Lion Inn. Uh, Jeff Belanger does a lot of the the research uh, and, and background stuff for them. And so Jeff reached out to me and um, you know asked me if I would be you know interested you know on the show. He said, "Hey, I saw your video. You know, thought it was pretty good. You know, would you be interested?" Uh, and going out there and talking about that, I was like, well, yeah, sure. Um, you know, and at first they were a little bit concerned because of the distance. And that, that was, you know, one of the things that left me a little miffed. It's like, I went all the way out there for this. You guys could have at least said something about me not being on there. This was the other thing that kind of miffed me, um, was that from that video, I had this photograph. They, they didn't know where to get it. Um, this was in, I think it was the Oklahoman, uh, you can see the date there, 1916. And this is the Houghton family. And this is one of those pieces of information from my research that helped narrow down, um, many people believe that the, the ghost that haunts the little girl spirit that haunts there is Irene. She shows up in the census records in 1910. By 1920, no more. She she died, but we don't know when. There's there's not a record of her death. This photo here narrows down the gap a little bit more because she's not in this photograph from 1916. So somewhere between 1910 and 1916, she passed away. They wanted this photo from me. I gave it to them. Again, uh, yeah. They have a special thanks section at the end of the show. It's like, yeah, could you maybe at least? No. So that too, it was like, geez, guys, really? Okay. So so that was unfortunate. Again, like I have said before, I realized they had a story to tell. My story didn't fit their story. But just say something. And maybe for that photograph, just throw it in you know, special thanks, you know, because I have a whole list of, you know, different places and people and all that. Just throw the name in there. I, whatever. Um, so it is what it is. Uh, all right. So let's see if you guys have any questions. So Robert Hanna, did they seem nice? I mean, yeah. I mean, while we were there, everything was cool. You know, um, like I said, I uh, chatted with Aaron a little bit. He was pretty cool. Um, the, the crew was really nice. You know, they, they were back there, you know, chatting with us and, you know, always asking us if there was anything that they could get us and 
Um, yeah, they're, they're really good. Um, you know, the rest of the guys, I know that, um, like, we got there, Zach was interviewing Becky, and then he ended up interviewing Michelle. And so Billy was kind of in and out, going over some of the interview footage for, um, you know, listening for EVPs and stuff like that, which, you know, apparently when he listened over something from Michelle's interview, then he heard something, which was kind of unfortunate because we had just kind of, Vanessa was there. Um, she wasn't there to be interviewed or whatever. She was just there to show support. And um, she and I had like talked Michelle Don off a ledge. Michelle had, even though she works there, she doesn't ever want to stay there alone because of an incident that she had many, many years ago. And we kind of helped explain some things to her to make her feel better about it. And then when they did the interview with her, they got this EVP that, you know, told Michelle F you. And it's like, I've never gotten that there. I've never gotten anything like really hostile there. I mean, the, the stories that I tell about feeling the wave of energy, the photograph falling off the wall, the slam of the, the drawer. I mean, it was all, it was all interesting. I can't ever say it was hostile, you know, it's, um, you know, we don't know why. And that was one of the questions Zach asked me, you know, had you ever experienced polar guys activity like there before, like that there before? And that was like the only night. The other times I investigated, they were really rather mild. Like you might get some EVPs. You definitely hear the footsteps like all the time. Um, you know, that sort of stuff. And you would see like some shadows in and out of doors. There's shadow people there. Uh, but that was the only night with kind of quote unquote poltergeist activity. And um, yeah, so, you know, for her to get that kind of EVP, never got an EVP like that there before. I investigated there several times. And I know others who have investigated there many times. So it was kind of unusual. Um, but yeah, but you know, everybody part that was part of the crew was nice. Um, you know, they were very cordial and, and all that. So, um, yeah, everything about filming that night was cool. So, um, yeah. So Mike, the little girl that died there between 1910, and 1916, there's no grave. No, no, no. I'm not really sure what happened to her, unfortunately. So, um, in fact, it took them a while to figure out that it was Irene. There was, um, what was her name? There was another, uh, one of the other daughters that for years and years and years, people were saying that it was, that it was she who haunted the house. And, um, it was actually ghost hunters when they came in during their season two, that they did some research and discovered that no, that, that woman, that girl grew up, became a woman and lived but there was this other girl that it could possibly be, this girl Irene, who shows up on the census records. Um, now, there, there is definitely for sure a little girl that haunts there. Um, Becky's son would always play with her in the, um, the third floor. There's like this huge open room. And then under the eaves, uh, you, they're like, I mean, they're basically closets, but they went in under the eaves. And he would have like his toys uh, stored there. And, and she would play with with him inside these closets. Um, but a lot of people can hear her running around, laughing. They'll get EVPs of her like all over the house. So she's there. Um, so they've since figured out that it's, it's Irene, but to try to pinpoint specific information on her, other than that, she was alive in 1910. 
that's all we know. Um, it's just, you know, sometime before 1916, she passed away. There's no grave. Um, so, um, and the, the thing, the thing that's interesting about that is, um, the house, there had been a house next door that had been theirs and they ended up building the house. This, that's a stone lying in now. <clears throat> and they ended up, the family ended up moving in there. And basically she died when she died, it would have been in that other house. And so her spirit has like moved from that site into here. So basically she followed the family after she passed, when she passed away, she was with the family and followed them from the old house to the new house. So kind of interesting. Um, was there a tornado there? Well, it's Oklahoma. Um, there've been a lot of tornadoes in and around the area, of course. Tom McNicholas makes an interesting point. No grave may, may mean tuberculosis. Um, and that's always possible. That's, that's something that we forget about is, uh, tuberculosis was a really big thing at the time. Um, you know, and so she could have ended up at a tuberculosis hospital and been buried there, maybe even in a mass grave. So that's, that's tragic to think about, but you're right, Tom, that could absolutely be, um, good idea. Might have to look into that. So, all right, let's go ahead and wrap it up because we are well over our hour mark here. Um, and so, yeah, as far as, okay, I, I see the question that, that, uh, a little more clarity. Is there a way to check to see if tornado happened during that time? There are people disappear in tornadoes. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, they have records of when tornadoes came through. Um, so that, that could be looked at as well. So either one of those, um, I, I have a sneaking suspicion. It's, it's more along the lines of, uh, tuberculosis i mean it, it seems it was an illness anyway um from what i recall she had died of some illness and then um and then her spirit followed so um at least that's the story all right so yeah let's go ahead and wrap it up 